Hey everyone, it's Blake, and welcome in to this episode of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. On today's episode of the podcast, I welcome in Ian Hamilton from 411 Mania to preview the G1 Climax 30, which is set to get started this weekend. We go into all the potential storylines and potential matchups and talk about what the expectations are for some of these wrestlers in the G1 Climax this year. So sit back and enjoy this G1 Climax 30 preview with 411 Mania's Ian Hamilton. All right, and as promised, uh, the guest today here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast is Ian Hamilton. And uh, Ian, man, thanks for coming on and doing this. Uh, I know we're very excited. Uh, the G1 is here, and uh, it should be another fun year, even if this year certainly it's a little bit different uh, given the circumstances surrounding it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it feels like every single article I've written was made some mention of the pandemic and everything else that's gone not, not as planned in 2020, but... No, G1, they were carrying it on at least you know, a little bit later than we usually do. And surprisingly, they have got a, a field which is as close as normal, I guess you could say. <laughs> yes, for sure. And, and again, we, we didn't know that we were going to have that field uh, in terms of being uh, maybe that close to normal, but it is. And uh, when they announced it, I know that excited a lot of people uh, to have uh, the makeup that we have, of course, in, in both blocks. And we'll get into that. In a second, uh, one thing I did want to ask you, because this is something people have talked about over the years in terms of um, the, the tag matches on the undercards. Of course, we don't have that this year, given the circumstances, but uh, yeah, right. that's what I was going to ask you. Um, I didn't know which side you stood on with that, but uh, it sounds like uh, you've made it pretty clear which side you stand on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I view, I mean, you know, on my own blog, I made point of if it's made tape, I review it. Yeah. At least when it comes to New Japan, I know Larry for a while was you know kind of touch and go. Like some shows, he would not touch those undercards. I don't blame him. I mean, you know, G ones have passed. No, it was very much um, it was a set a set format, shall we say? You know, yeah. you had your match, and then you know you'd have like I'm just scrolling through the cards now. So you know, obviously, first show this Saturday, uh, you know, you've got well. First one Saturday would be random undercard, but for Sunday you've got you know, the likes of Zack Sabre Jr. against Evil. Um, I'm trying to pull two together where you've got you know, the same squad, so you'd have um, Night and Sonata. There's the obvious team. There'd be an undercard match on the previous show, and, and there would be some form of you know, one of their opponents, if not both, depending on how the lineups went. Yeah. Um, it added to people's spreadsheets. I mean, my spreadsheet last year was massively boosted by all those undercards, but what they're doing in place this year, it's uh, Gabriel Kidd, you know, a personal favourite of mine. I mean, it's got to be British, right? Uh, Yota Suji and Yuya Yamura. Those three are having their own mini round robin uh, tournament across the 18 days. Well, not tournament, but they're having, you know, matching up in one form or another. So your unofficial C block, as it were, if you were. Um, and to me, you know, the Young Lions matches tend to be an, uh, an underrated highlight for the shows. I mean, it's a good way to get the card going. Basic wrestling gets the crowd going, and then you get the more, I'd say, more seasoned, you know, more usual pros, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, get it for five undercard tags, four in a Young Lions match, and to me, it looks like you know, six match cards, all of these, at least up to the final. You're going to be looking at maybe two, two and a half hour long shows, which you know, bring it on. 
Yep, exactly. I was going to say it's it's always a marathon, and uh, now you know having the the less again the the time with that and having less matches uh, should be something uh, that's a lot of fun and and may you know even help people I think that that maybe aren't normally familiarized with the G1 lean into it a little bit more because uh, maybe it doesn't look as intimidating because you do just have the block matches. But uh, let's start uh, with A and just kind of run through some, some thoughts on that and then we'll get to B. And then at the end, uh, we'll, we'll give some overall thoughts on maybe how things could turn out. Uh, quickly, we'll run through uh, the, the lineup for A. You've got Kota Ibushi, Kazuchi Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, Shingo Takagi, Yujiro Takahashi, Taichi, uh, Minoru Suzuki, Jeff Cobb, Jay White, and Will Ospreay. Of course, I think as soon as this block came out everybody was saying okay here's the block you look at all these guys in here uh this is going to be quite a block in terms of uh looking at the potential matches uh, i guess ian just your overall thoughts uh here on this group and, and i will throw in but is anyone other than yujiro going to finish at the bottom of this one <laughs> i mean after my pickings for, for you know, voice wrestling post wrestling i have got yujiro finishing bottom of the entire field i've got him going yep. one and nine yeah um when, I mean, we also when the blocks came out, you know, there was the controversy. We can touch on that in a second. This is the workers' block. You know, you've got your Akadas, you've got, you know, Shingo, you've got Jay White, Kota Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii, the big names who are relied upon every single tournament to bring out the best nature. I mean, how many, you know, G1s, how many New Japan Cups have we seen? Right. And, you know, Ishii has been the guy who's been, you no, know, may not have won any of them. But if you're going by star ratings or, you know, plaudits or whatever you want, he's been the guy who's been running away with, oh, you know, check out these matches. Oh, yeah, who's match check? Well, Ishii had this one, he had this one, he had this one. He is, you know, Mr. Reliable in these tournaments. And, you know, I've got him pegged personally as, you know, maybe joint uh, uh, joint fourth place, at least, you know, when he bunched him up. Um, so it's not going to be in any danger of winning, but he, you know, definitely a you know, personal favourite. I mean, you look at some of the matchups in this block. I mean, I'm looking at the collated cards we've got on the 4-1 preview. And, like, just what stuff that just jumps out, you know, night one, Ishii Suzuki. Yeah. You know, but, you know, what else we've got? We've got, you know, okay, of course, usual, that's the night off. Um, you know, we've got uh, Ishii Will Osprey. That's the one a lot of people got their eyes on. Suzuki Osprey. Osprey uh, Shingo, you know. Every single... Well, mostly every single combination there, <laughs> you're guaranteed one, if not two, good matches on an A-block card this year. And you know, when you consider you know, the lineups we've got, the fact that we've only got one, maybe two really duff wrestlers in each block, to me, not speaks for quality, but yeah, block A, the workers' block, and really, you know, it's you know, a bit of both. I mean, obviously, New Japan World, you're paying your 9.99 yen a month, so it's not a case of you know buying each night individually, but if you've only got time for half the shows, block A is probably the way you're going to go. Yep, no, it's it's completely loaded for sure. I and mean, when you look at all these these different potential, like you said, combinations, and really any combination you put together, you feel like uh, you're going to get something pr- pretty interesting and pretty entertaining for sure. I-, I wanted to ask you real quickly about Jeff Cobb because he's someone I think everyone we look back to the G1 last year. Um, you know, he, he it seems like to me he started off strong last year and then 
he just sort of maybe fell into being in that group with some of these other guys that were having such fantastic matches that um, he just was maybe one of those that was sort of in the middle. But now, uh, if we look here recently, you know, there have been reports that it seems like that that he's kind of been teasing, okay, I'm, I've am i signed somewhere. I'm not going to say where it is, but it seems like all signs are pointing towards uh, him signing with New Japan. And I'm just curious your thoughts on maybe what you've seen from Jeff Cobb. I've always thought he's someone that just you watch his style I found it very entertaining, of course, very physical type of style. Um, maybe just, uh, we don't expect him to, to win this thing or anything, but maybe just what you feel like maybe the future is of someone like Jeff Cobb uh, in New Japan. So maybe I'm overthinking this. I mean, I have not gone into any kind of forensic detail on you know, Japan's uh, quarantine of their procedures right now, but you know, we all knew like Osprey had you know, uh, residents in Japan. Right. Juice Robinson had residents in Japan. Jeff Cobb, as far as I'm aware, unless I've missed something, doesn't have a residence visa. I mean, I may be wrong, don't quote me on that. Yeah. So for him to be in this tournament, either Bushiroad has made a very strong representation to you know, Japanese uh, politicians and gotten them a sudden resident, residential permit, or he signed. I mean, yeah. Maybe I'm you know, distilling things too much, but to me, that's one of the only two options I can think of. I mean, in this tournament... I don't want to say he's going to be swallowed up in this block, but you know, you, you've got names who've been resident stars in New Japan, or Shingo, Jay White, Okada, Ibushi, Ishii, Suzuki. I mean, they're six, and I'm only just looking at the first three matches on night four. <laughs> um, I mean, I think if he has signed, this is more of an establishing tournament. I mean, you look at the tournament that's been in before the New Japan Cup, the USA variant as well, World Tag League. There's always been a bit of a hesitance i guess you could say yeah in terms of you know he's very solidly mid-table and they don't go much beyond that because who knows okay he was signed ring of honor but if he gets signed to wwe or AEW and is exclusive then you know, you've wasted that time on that investment on a guy who you can't use now if you signed with new japan great obviously you know with the current world situation you no know, this could be signed and He's you know, based on the US side. They fly him over for the odd tours, which you know, that's fine as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Cobb, I think the general feeling on him is he's one of these guys who he will match what his opponents do. Yeah. I'm not, I hope I'm not being unkind when I say this. I mean, um, earlier this year, you know, I was over in Germany for 16 karat gold. And you know, he had some pretty good matches, but it was the, they do a, um, I'm finalized like, you know, where PWG, uh, PWG do their 10-man targets be, you know, all the spots all the time. He's in that, you know, six-man tag at the end, and he absolutely shone. You no, know, like, you don't expect a guy that big to be that agile. Yet there he was, you know, flipping and flying like the rest of them. So <laughs> I don't think, I mean, I don't think he's the worst in this field, not by any stretch of imagination, but I do think a lot of what he does in this G1 is going to be dictated by what is happening with him afterwards. You know, New Japan's announced uh, as the road power struggle coming hot out of the G1. If he's hanging around for that tour, well, I could easily see him, you know, being put in a feud with Suzuki for Neverbelt or something like that. Yeah. Um, but if it's a case of you're doing the G1, then you're going back to New Japan strong, insert, you know, uh, suffix here shows, well, you know, he may end up close to all spot in the group. But, I mean, it's a good get for New Japan. I mean, Co- I mean Cobb, I've seen on the Indies for years. He's impressive, but I do think at this point he's a guy who would you know, benefit from having regular, you know, a lot of regular action. And 
whether that's in the LA Dojo, whether it's you not know, touring in Japan. You know, it's I mean it's better than what you no know, Ring of Honor and any other promotion are doing in Dwelly Running. You mentioned uh, Minoru Suzuki, of course. He's back in this field, in the G1 field after last year. That was the big thing we talked about when the, the blocks came out last year is that he wasn't involved. And, uh, of course, you, you certainly had some frustration there. One of the things you pointed out, you mentioned, uh, of course, your, your column on 411, which we're going to link everywhere uh, for people to reference here because you've done the entire preview here on the field. But, you know, he really has, to me, been someone throughout this entire, I guess we're, we're calling it the pandemic era. I mean, he's been a lot of fun just to, to watch him do his thing. And, and he really seems to be one of those stars, which he always has been. But uh, he's really been someone that's kind of been one of the stars of this era for me, just in terms of watching him and such. Um, I guess for, for you, just to see him back in this field, uh, seems like he's he's right where he belongs here. And certainly in this block, uh, boy, you're, you're going to have some, some matchups here with him and these others in the block. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, I mean, you've got Shingo. I mean, they've had absolute crackers in the last, you know, last few months alone. Yeah. Okada, I mean, I was there in the Copper Box in London just over a year ago you know, when you had that title shot at Royal Quest. Ishii, I mean, that's a night one match, Suzuki against Ishii. They are <laughs> going to knock the butts out of each other. Yeah. I mean, personally, I know, you know hindsight being twenty twenty, I kind of believe that uh, Suzuki not being in the field last year was a setup for that Royal Quest main event because... You know, it saves them from that month-long tour. And we've got an absolute crack of a main event in London a couple of weeks after. Um, I don't think Suzuki's going to win. I mean, I did touch upon this in the preview. Um, no, I largely think guys who have a belt going into the G1 won't tend to do too well. It's like, you're not going to see Naito finish Norton 10, for instance. Right. So don't, don't be stupid, but... What tends to happen with the G1 is guys who have belts tend to have challenges set up for them. And you know, Suzuki, he's got the never title. Obviously, Naito's got the double gold. The losses they pick up will be few, but they're going to be important ones in general for the remainder of the year going into Wrestle Kingdom. Yep, for sure. And uh, it's, it's going to be very fascinating, like we said, with, with this block for sure. And I guess... You know, obviously, we're not going to touch on everyone in this block individually, but just kind of doing our overall preview. Of course, we have to talk about, you know, Okada because he's someone, you know, is, is in that spot right now where I think a lot of people are debating, you know, what what is the next thing? Is it, and you mentioned this in your preview, you know, is it sort of that time to go back for him? competing for the title, winning the title. Um, how do you feel like this this goes for him? Because I think this is one of the more intriguing aspects for me just because we know that we know his history. We know he's going to be back in the title picture. Um, but what is this the situation where that happens? Or how do you feel like this, this goes for Okada this year in the G1? So, I mean, the fact that he's not been messing around with balloons is a good thing. You know, he had that weird spell in 2018. He lost the belt for a few months. And, you know, he, I don't know what it was. It was fun, but it just didn't fit him. What he's done since he lost the title at Wrestle Kingdom, it's been different. You know, you've had him yeah. you know, kind of flirting. Then, obviously, we had the shutdown for the pandemic, which, you know, that you know, put a lot of spanners in a lot of works this year. You know, it was guys who, you know, the, the evil push you know, probably would have come earlier. So, there's a lot of guys who their story in 2020 is being you know, heavily interrupted. With Okada, I think that maybe we would have had you not know, the six to seven months of you know, being lost in the mid-cards, being lost in the early cards. I mean, we had that run uh, very recently, in fact, where Okada was second on the show, three shows in a row, if you if you just count the streaming stuff. Yep. 
he's never been able to load down the cards. I don't want to say no, certainly since he won with the Novaj GP belts early on. It's like he you know, was the kayfabe creator of the King Pro Wrestling trophy. Thank God he didn't win it. Um, which to me, I think maybe that is the pinnacle of his weirdness. And now, you know, he you know, he slips back into game. My only concern is we had those you know, three months of nothingness. He's had that time you know, of taking it easy in the in the mid cards. I'm not too sure if you know we will he can easily slip back into being the card revolt. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I've got him down as winning the G1 overall. Yep. Um, and I may as well you know, say, you know, say again, this obviously of the cards are out. And generally, you know, people gravitate to the final lights of each block to see, well, what's the potential eliminator? And for me, I think a lot of people's eyes drew onto this. The card Osprey. They've had matches before. And you know, we, we do need to address the elephant room here for Will Osprey. You know, yep. The whole speaking out movement. His name did come up. Uh, no, I, I'm sorry, I don't get into too much details. I mean, there's been a lot of chat on this, and I, I'll be honest, I, there's a fair amount of this I agree with. With Osprey, you no know, fresh allegations or repeated allegations of him blackballing Pollyanna mm-hmm. and you know, all the associated stuff there. Um, to me, he's done shows with RevPro, and he has caught an awful lot of flack and so Rev Pro for that. There's been less writing campaigns and I'm, I'm you know being simplistic I'm being simplistic here, but there are people who've contacted New Japan in their masses to express their discontent about this. Now, from my position, no. The allegations must be were by no means the worst that came out June speaking out. But he to put it bluntly, he effed up. He has not shown any kind of contrition. No no and yes, okay, he's no you know, through you know, reports and through stuff he's posted on his Instagram, he has you know, mentioned about you know, mental health as well. Yeah, unfortunately, in 2020, with everyone being in lockdown, there's a lot more of us who that same boat. That doesn't excuse what we've done in the past. And I think you know, you'll always have that cluster of fans who will feel like you know, he should never work again because he blackballed someone. But I honestly believe that if he'd shown a slight bit of contrition, it was... No, it was no the the memes were screenshot notes apology. You think something more of that, but there's something from him to say to acknowledge he did something wrong, but he messed up, but he wants to make it better. But instead, we've got nothing. We've had you no know, Rev Pro book Andy Quilled and you no know, talking in circles around him. You no, know, you've had him being booked on shows, and it's just that it's that one key element, the lack of acknowledgement, has upset people. There are a lot of fans who have said they refuse to watch the entire G1 Forbes and they want to do that that's their choice. Where this all ties back down to is uh, reports that came out no, not too long ago that Osprey was, at least pre-Covid uh, scheduled to win the G1. So no, Packford, we still have Okada Osprey as a final night block A match to me you know, I've, I've plotted my path in terms of where I think matches will go and I'll be honest, I think if Osprey wins the block, uh, you're going to have a lot more damage in terms to the UK market than people not watching the G1 for a while. Personally, I don't know. Osprey, this is only second year of a tournament. I don't see him winning the block. I don't see him winning, but I can see a situation where we get to October 16, both the Cardinal and Osprey are alive, 
Battle for Elimination match. And yeah, it's not in terms of the in ring, not they've done with wrestling, we've had good matches, but just the non wrestling, not the other side of it, that's going to be very sensitive situation for New Japan to deal with. And right now, I don't think anybody in wrestling has really handled at least the Osprey stuff of any kind of gravitas. Like you said, it's it's something that, that's going to be talked about. It has to be talked about based on the, the whole circumstances, and there's no doubt about it. I mean, we can talk about you know the in-ring stuff all we want, but uh, it is something that's going to be brought up uh, throughout it, and uh, I think everyone understands it uh, at this point. And it's interesting. We've talked for 20 minutes, and we've yet to bring up, uh, I guess in more detail, the two guys that met in the G1 final last year, and that, of course, is Kota Bushi and Jay White. Uh, I guess just quickly before we move on to, to Block B, where you maybe see these two in terms of uh, their path forward here, obviously Ibushi, uh, he's had a, a sort of a, a different in terms of teaming with Tanahashi and all that. And, and now Jay White back into the mix, of course, after uh, the whole pandemic and everything, uh, now being in a situation where he comes back uh, and maybe what you, your expectations are for these two. So I see Jay White as being more closer to the finishing line, I guess, at the end. Um, so, you know, for the pick I've got, I have the card of finishing 7-2, and two, Osprey 6-3, and three, obviously the final night being the tiebreaker. Um, I have a three-way tie third with Suzuki, Shingo, and Jay White in 5-4, and four, and it'll be the final night with um, Suzuki and Jay White, I believe. Sorry, not, that's not the final night, sorry. Um, I can see uh, Jay White on the final night uh, losing to Ishii, which could then, you know, completely take my running. Um Kodobushi, I I really want to do better, but I I see him struggling. Yeah. And I don't want to say oh the stink of team of Tanahashi is no is affecting him, but you no, know, really he's had a entire you know, summer really of being on the losing side. And okay, it's not been him taking the beating, but I also don't see how you know he can go from being you know the downtrodden partner in a downtrodden tag team, for better phrase, <laughs> to winning with G1. I mean, what we've got to remember as well, we haven't had back-to-back G1 winners for the best part of 20 years. Yep. So I, I don't see Ibushi doing it. I can see this being a down year for Kota. You know, maybe gets a you know, win over Suzuki to get a title, another title shot. But even then, Matt's still you know, really heavily underscoring you know, how much he's fallen. Um, I see this being a... You know, Less than you know, he's not going to be batting 500 this year, and 2021 is when you know, any researchers will begin. We will see uh, what happens. As we said, uh, certainly uh, the block everyone is looking at probably in terms just the storylines, the potential matches and all that. And as we said, there is stuff uh, that doesn't necessarily pertain to the actual uh, tournament uh, that's going to be involved there as well. And now on to B. Uh, we run through it here. Roshi Tanahashi, Roki Goto, Toriano, uh, Yoshihashi, Sanada, Tetsuya Naito, Evil, Zack Sabre Jr., Juice Robinson, and Kenta make up uh, Block B here. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, Ian, we start and look at this block overall. Um, it's a very, you know, fascinating lineup. Of course, you've got the the LIJ situation here where you've got Evil in there, you've got Naito, you've got Sonata, uh, you've got all these different, you know, tying stories that seem to sort of go together here, and I think that's probably going to be the big focus here uh, when you look at this particular block. And, of course, Kenta as well, who is uh, someone that's coming in with certainly a lot of momentum. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as soon as this uh, field was announced, you know, Kenta, you've got, you know, Evil, the, I guess, de facto leader of Los Ingobernables, uh, de facto leader of Bullet Club, used to be yeah. LIJ, 
and no, I guess Kenta maybe not believed obviously Jay White was before everything happened, but you've got some very interesting interplay in block B between Evil and Kenta. You've also got the perennial you no know, LIJ match, which you know, before because you had you know, three heavyweights, they you know, were always going to get at least two in one block. Uh, Night from Sonata, I think maybe Sonata's going to be a spoiler in some sense here. But, yeah, I mean, this isn't, I mean, I'm calling this a storyline block, but let's be realistic. You still have some guys who can still go, you know, right. Zack Sick Jr., Tanahashi when he's on a good night. I mean, this is the first year he's not explicitly coming in with, you know, an injury, but, you know, he's had all summer along with his knees and ankles being ripped at. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, tape on most body, on most body parts. But, um yeah, I mean, this one, obviously, Kenta came in, a very late edition. Um, no, Juice Robinson, another late edition. So, yeah, you've got some names who most who haven't been seen on New Japan, uh, over in Japan since uh, February. Juice hasn't even been on the US shows. Right. He's been uh, healing a leg injury since uh, the shutdown in February. So, no, some interesting names here, but I think in terms of, you know, if you want to judge by star ratings, this is maybe slightly weaker block, but I think this is the one where we are going to see a lot of interplay, whether it's Bullet Club, you know, teasing implosion. I've seen some people suggest maybe LIJ starting fighting on themselves, but um, matches may not be uh, as consistent here, but there's definitely going to be a lot to take away from this in terms of storylines. Yep, you've got some compelling stories here for sure, and uh, let's let's talk about Evil because certainly he's been someone that's that's really been thrown to to the forefront here. Of course, as we know, um, you know someone having the the double gold, uh, the one that that beat Naito, and and what if. I guess there have been different opinions on this in terms of looking at sort of that that run for evil and maybe where he goes from here. What did you think of him beating Naito? Because I know there were a lot of people that had different opinions and maybe just what you've seen from evil overall here and what is, obviously, as we know, if we look back to last year's G1, uh, you look where evil is now. It's a completely different setup for him now entering this one. So the thing with New Japan is any change in character, they hammer it home into the ground, I mean, is before my time watching regularly, but you know when Battle of Folly was brought in, he was beating guys every night, you know, stretching them out with the same move. It was to make sure that yes, we're in the era now where you know, the show is available to stream live, but you're looking it's going from town to town to town. You know, if you do for instance sake, uh you know, say if Tori well, not no use the no hypothetical uh a card earlier this year, he debuted that you know, modified cover clutch. That was on every single show across every single time they went to. Right. Because they were debuting that move and make sure that you knew that this is a big deal and when it came, comes to a big scene, you know, when you saw that, that was the one thing to be wary of. You know, if evil you saw that you know, in the New Japan Cup gradually, you know, he was you know, starting to take more shortcuts, he was getting more into the low blows, he was getting more into the other cheating, that was the sign. And then, of course, when it came to Dominion, he won the title. And, you know, that rate just went overboard there. I would hope they tore that down a bit. I mean, you know, we know Evil's Bullet Club. We know he's heel now. Uh, to me, I just have a massive worry that, one, for a guy who, until, what, two weeks ago, two, three weeks back, was double champion, he has one main event in this entire tour. Yep. And, for, you know, bear in mind the whole Evil push was meant to be, you know, written long ago. It wasn't some... Or knee-jerk response to COVID, right, let's give this guy a tryout and see how he fares. For a guy to, to have gone from double champion to one main event, 
to me suggests he's maybe not the top threat in, in block B. And I'm wondering if no, if Kenta hadn't come over, so to say, yeah. even may have been you know, the big star in that block. But I'm thinking of Kenta returning. In fact, but, you know, he won the New Japan Cup USA for a title shot against John Moxley whenever that's ever going to happen. I do wonder if Kenta is going to you know, try and uh, come away with two tournament wins this year. And let's stay with Kenta for a second, because I was actually going to bring him up, Um, you know, because he's someone, too. I mean, we remember kind of, you know, when when he came in and obviously he left WWE and everyone was just kind of waiting for that next move. And then he comes in and and now, you know, he's had this run that he's had. What are some of the things that have really stood out to you with Kenta? Because as we said, I mean, as soon as we started talking about this particular block, I mean, he's someone that comes in with a lot of momentum, and I think he's someone that is going to be a lot of fun to watch in this tournament just because of the different styles he's going to go up against in this block. But also, I just see him as being someone that can really use this, which he's already used this era, sort of just to to springboard himself forward. But I think he could really use the she one here that could sort of transform him into really getting to that next level and being right there, uh, maybe with some of these other guys that we're talking about near the top there. I mean, again, you look at what New Japan do, you know, it's very rare a new guy comes in and they're straight in the top. Yep. Last year he came in. He was you known under the tutelage of um, Katsuyo Shibata. Then he had a return of the G1 finals and met you not know, a brief never title run. And then, you know, obviously, when we hit pause, you know, he was off the books for you know, six months. Um, to me, the telling thing with uh, Kenta is I don't know if he would have won the New Japan Cup had it gone ahead in its original form. But the fact that he won the US version. And yes, it's for a US title shot, but let's be realistic here. AEW don't seem to be letting John Moxley out for any independent dates at the moment. Yep. Certainly not for empty arena shows. So that's a title shot which, right now, it's just a briefcase. You know, there's no... Sh- like, in, I'm watching New Japan Strong. They effectively look to book, book shows week to week. Like They announced that the Lionsgate crown show, and it was after the show finished, they told you what that format actually was. So if there is, there is storylines there, but there's nothing really long-term. Like, I couldn't tell you, and I doubt they could tell you, that Kent is going to have a shot at John Moxley on New Japan Strong in December, for instance. Now, to me, that New Japan USA Cup thing is the key, because Kent going into a shutdown, no, I don't say he was treading water, no, he just had a double title shot. But, you know, you've got a guy who's coming up that double title shot, and yes, he lost, but I honestly think had COVID not happened, had you know, New Japan kept going, he would have been there or thereabouts throughout the spring and the summer, which is why I've, you know, I'm thinking he, I don't think he wins the, the tournament, but I do see him as coming out winning B block. And you know, that momentum continues. And you know, who knows, maybe G1 next year be Kenta's year, but very rare do they take anyone and have him, you know, on, in the real big spot within two years of, of them joining, especially when you consider was past you no know, pro wrestling known then obviously be you know shall I say the middling run of WWE if we're being generous. Absolutely. And uh you did mention Sonata too. He's someone I wanted to bring up because he's someone that I've always thought, you know, you see those those flashes of, of what he's capable of. And for him, you know, we, we talked about Kenna, it's maybe not exactly the same because they're different in terms of, of where they've come from in terms of getting to, to New Japan, but I think you look at Sonata, and he's he's been someone that you see all the flashes of what he's capable of, but something you do mention, uh, of course, and this is in your preview too, 
is he's basically going to be in that background with the you know this this LIJ Bullet Club storyline within this block, and I wonder exactly what that means for him in terms of what he could be capable of. You know, how many wins does he get in this block, and really just maybe his overall performances uh, in this G1 this year. So I think storyline-wise, Snarder clearly is the second fiddle in this block for yep. LIJ. Now the big thing for me is. And you know, one going for KFIP, he's been teamed with Evil for years. You know, he would you know he would have seen stuff that's made him tick. Now, to me, you do have to wonder how long do you go through the whole always a bridesmaid, always a bridesmaid, never bride scenario. Right? How long can a guy like Sonata keep being in second place? I mean, there was no reports last year's meant to be the year he kicked on and pushed on. Well, that didn't happen. But I do wonder, and this is another theory I've seen floated around is after the G1, do we see Bullet Club and LIJ dismantle and do they shake things up? I mean, you know, Bullet Club's been going around for a lot longer than anybody expected. LIJ is at a similar you know, similar kind of thing. And yes, you can you know, you shake things up, you add new people, you call new people leads and what have you, but at the end of the day, these are factions that have been going around five, six, seven, eight years. And at some point you've got to go, well, what more stories can we tell? Now, I'm not saying you, know, you put Sinatra in Bullet Club and you have you know Kent become part of LIJ, but you do get to a point where you know, the very image of Bullet Club, the very image of LIJ, you know, can only go so far. Yet they're rattling out Bullet Club T-shirts, they're rattling out LIJ merch all the time. But you know, at some point, you need to shake things up. And I do believe that at least one of those two factions, I do think we are going to start seeing stuff from the G1 which dismantles them. I wouldn't be too surprised if we had somebody like a Sonata leaving LIJ. I mean, we've got that match not in the final night. I'm just trying to pull this up. On um, October 8th, it's Kent to Sonata. Um, it's the night or Sonata matches, one I was looking at, as you know, usually you know, New Japan have you know, the intra LIJ matches. And you know, you have them to do the whole, well, we're not going to fight, but really are. To me, they, especially with everyone still stinging from you no know, evil, even yeah, it's October first in uh, Nagata. Yes, that's where I could see maybe not a full blown explosion, but I can definitely see what's with WWE some more dissension in the ranks if we're not seeing Open stage apart. No, that that's going to be a, a lot of fun, and it's going to be very interesting to see how that whole story plays out for sure. And, of course, before we wrap up, uh, be here, we have to talk about Tanahashi, um, who, as you've said, and you pointed this out in your article as well, just kind of one of those years for him when you look at, at maybe the, the year he's had, obviously not his best year, and now we, we talked about the teaming with Ibushi and all that earlier. What are your expectations uh, for the ace here? Because it seems like it's it's one of those situations where he is in this block, and obviously he's not the the main story in this because of what we just talked about. But he's probably, I guess, going to certainly play a factor. But how big of a factor? That's going to be interesting to see. So at one point, going through my pickums, I had him as the only guy with no points. Wow. Um, and I've got him finishing with uh, on form five record with Juice and Zack Saber Jr. So. I can see this being a very slow start, and then something comes in, and he realizes, you know, get my you know what together, and yep. actually you know, get back to the form of old. I think the days of Tanahashi winning the G1, I think you know, he won two years ago. I think that's the last one. I mean, clearly, you know, we've had for years where he's coming to the G1 of injuries. 
and you know, his 2020 so far to me is just being Zack Sabre Jr. tearing on him with dragon screws on loop since not since February. So yeah, I you know it's it's sad to say. I mean, I don't get to be um, I don't think it's quite like a Nakanishi situation where you've got a guy who at one point was top of the mountain but is now is immobile, but he's definitely on the falling part of his career, unfortunately. And you know, I, you know, I think he's not in any danger of finishing off bottom in this group. I've got uh, uh, Yoshihashi finishing two and eight. You know, bear in mind, you know, the story of him last year was he wasn't good enough. Well, to me, the only reason he's in is because he's part of never trios champs here. But I think with uh, Tanner, you know. The ace is no, he's the ace in name only in my life at this point. You know, that's going to be unpopular, but, you know, you look at his, re- his recent form. Um, he's going to get wins, but I think it's going to be the wins you'd expect him to get, you know, against you know, maybe your Yano's, your Yoshihashi's, uh, no, maybe against your Juice Robinson's, but against much bigger names, that's where he's going to struggle. And I think this is the G1 which firmly slots him as, you know, those main events of a distant history. Yeah, it's that that's going to be fascinating for me too cuz and I think for most people because uh, having watched him of course all these years you're you're very fascinating to see uh kind of kind of see where they go uh with him as we said within this block in particular but maybe just overall in the tournament as well. All right, Ian, we'll wrap it up uh here with this. I guess just your overall thoughts here. You talked about your potential kind of the guys you look at as potentially having the best shot to win, but uh what do you feel like the biggest uh, takeaway is going to be when we finish this G1 here, and as you said, you mentioned your, your winner earlier, but uh, what do you feel like we're going to be talking about the most uh, when we come out of this G1 this year? I think this year we're going to be talking about how Block A elevates and solidifies people's uh, spots going forward, but I think the big thing coming out of the G1 isn't going to be a match. Bearing in mind, obviously, everything's going on. We still don't know what the winner of this is getting. Yeah. We don't know if it's going to be a Wrestle Kingdom 15. We don't know if it's going to be the Tokyo Dome. No, from what I understand, with the situation in Japan, they are you know, it's currently believe, 50% of capacity, and they're potentially looking at lifting that. So we may have a situation like we had in Jingu Stadium with you know, maybe only 10,000 fans, which you know, it's still a Wrestle Kingdom in name, but it's not going to have a feel. So the thing I'm going to be keeping an eye out on, you know, because let's be honest, it is going to be the usual suspects. It'll be your Akadas, Ospreys, Kenters, Nitals, or maybe you know, we'll dip down to Evil Sonata. It's going to be one of all six, I believe, winning the G1. But I think it's where you go to from here, because, yeah, they're announcing the Power Struggle Tour. We've also got, remember, the Best of Super Juniors didn't happen. That's an, no, that's an announcement which you know, could come up for future too. But I think the big takeaway for this for me is what the winner is going to get. And if we are sitting here on on October 18th after you know, finished watching the finals in Sumo Hall and no mention has been made of Wrestle Kingdom, to me, that would make me work. No, I'd say if we don't have an announcement by then, that's telling me that you know, whoever wins, it's going to be the safe choice. And you know, going for a bit for a long game here, you know, okay, we had you know, uh, Okada Night or before, but Okada, sorry, Nigel still hasn't had his Tokyo Dome moment. Yeah. He had that taken away from earlier this year. And if they're still playing it safe, well, may as well give Nigel his uh, Tokyo Dome moment in 2021. It's not a new match, but you know, how much longer are you going to be able to push this off for? 
let the fun begin, right? Let let the fun begin because uh, this is going to be another exciting installment of the G1. We know that. And Ian, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you do just fantastic work. And I know for all our, our 411 listeners, they already read your stuff uh, over on the site. But uh, let everybody know where they can find uh, all of your work. And as I mentioned earlier, we will include uh, your G1 uh, Climax 30 preview uh, in the show notes as well. So everybody can check that out. Yep, so the New Japan coverage is over on 411menu.com slash wrestling. Um, covering New Japan mostly since they're putting on the most shows. You'll also see NXT UK for the two or three people who watch that. That's coming back this week. <laughs> uh, WXW, it's you know, uh, one of my favorite promotions based out of Germany. Uh, they've actually uh, been adding on to the WWE Network. So you know, if you've got that subscription laying around, give them a watch. Uh, I believe this weekend they're starting to add the Shotgun weekly program on there which, okay, it's in German, but it does have English subtitles and English commentary. Well worth a watch if you like just basic storyline telling and solid wrestling to go with it. Um, So, yeah, all the G1 uh, reviews, they'll be up pretty much within minutes of the final bell, uh, obviously based in the UK. And looking at the schedules, I mean, this Saturday, 9 o'clock UK time starts Sunday, 6 a.m., I'm going to have to bust up that Walking Dead gift Larry used to use because that Sunday morning is going to be. Yes, that that is going to be a lot of fun. And as you said, I, I think Larry, for someone like me, he's the reason I started watching New Japan. And I've, I've said that a lot, but like he, he is the reason I got into it. And uh, it's something where I know I'm not the only person that's going to say that because uh, just reading all his work uh, throughout the years and, of course, reading your stuff now, uh, I just love it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And, Ian, again, thank you so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. And look forward to uh, talking to you again more here as uh, the tournament goes along. And uh, we'll probably do another episode uh, once it wraps up. It's a date. It's always a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Blake. Thanks again to Ian Hamilton for joining me here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. And as mentioned, please be sure to check out uh, Ian's preview that he has over at 411mania.com. We'll have the link to that in the show notes. And check out all the other great work that he's doing over there with all his reviews. And as he mentioned, he will have 411 Mania's reviews for each night in the G1. So be sure uh, to check those out. Uh, As he said, he'll have those up uh, pretty quickly as soon as uh, the shows are over. Uh, So check that out over at 411mania.com. And uh, as I continue to mention, uh, also be sure to donate to the GoFundMe uh, for Larry Zonka's uh, family. And as I said in the uh, restart episode, I guess you could say, uh, we will continue to have the link to that in the show notes in the podcast. So uh, if you're someone that's already donated, thank you so much. Uh, If you want to continue to share that, uh, everyone would appreciate it. So uh, be sure to check that out. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, If you can find it on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, any of your favorite podcast app, just search for 411 on Wrestling and you'll find it on there and be able to subscribe. And I just want to say thank you uh, to everyone for the great feedback on the uh, restart episode that we had uh, earlier in the week uh, with Andrew Thompson. Uh, The feedback was fantastic. And so uh, we do really appreciate uh, you listening to this podcast, and and, uh, we hope you will continue to do so. So be sure to subscribe uh, to check out all the great stuff uh, that we do have on the way here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. So uh, thank you for listening, and stay safe. And we'll talk to you guys here next time on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast.